Welcome back to Single Minded. I'm your host, Hannah First, and my co-host, Linda. Hi, Linda. She's my mum, if you're new here. Hi, Hannah. Hi, everyone. Well, someone did message me saying, is Linda your mum? And they were so confused. (laughs) So I just wanted to clear that up with everyone. So we have a little bit of admin to get out of the way before we get started. If you love the podcast and you want to support it, we have a little request for you. The best way to support the podcast is to leave a five-star rating, write a review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. But the absolute best way that you can support this podcast is if you can actually share it with your friends. So send them a text, but the easiest way to do that is to share a screenshot on Instagram stories and tell your friends what you think. I get quite a lot of DMs from listeners and I absolutely just love them so much. And I always screenshot them and send them to mum. Yes, I get them at 6am when I wake up because I'm always asleep when you send them at 1am. We are on such <laughs> different time zones. I know, I'm a night owl. (laughs) (laughs) So our topic this week is dating after cheating. Jess Ray King, she is a model from Melbourne and she was on the Love Etc podcast and I actually met her around the time that she did an interview with them about her experiences with cheating and I remember we were recording, I was recording a beauty podcast and as soon as the mics went off, she just told us the whole story and I, I really wanted to know what had happened and, you know, a year later and how it had kind of affected her and how she was finding dating after that experience. Cheating isn't a black and white topic, but I think Jess gives a really good insight into her life after being cheated on and how cheating can really affect your self-esteem. I did a lot of research in the lead up to this pod and there was a lot about, you know, who's more likely to cheat, how many people cheat, men are more likely to cheat if they're having a birthday that ends in nine, i.e. they're about to turn, you know, 40, 50, 60. (laughs) But 59, I hope not. You're 59, mum. So you're more likely to cheat. I've got through. You almost got through. (laughs) You've got a month left to cheat on dad and to become another statistic. (laughs) So I wasn't really vibing with a lot of it because it didn't really delve into why people cheat and like what is going on in their heads when they do this. I watched one of like the most popular TED Talks. Hopefully a lot of you know Esther Perel. She has a... Oh, that that sounds like a lingerie label. (laughs) It isn't. Simone (laughs) Perel. Esther Perel has a TED Talk with like 9 million views. It's called Rethinking Infidelity, a talk for anyone who has ever loved, and it's by Esther Perel. She says at the start, she said, monogamy used to be one person for life, but today monogamy is about one person at a time. Mm. And she said there's no universally agreed definition of cheating. She says the definition of infidelity is expanding. So, you know, does it include sexting? Does it include watching porn? Does it include staying secretly active on dating apps? So speaking hypothetically, Can someone be cheating if they are watching Megan the Stallion's video clips on their (laughs) iPad late at night? I mean, are they doing it in front of you so it's not secret? Hypothetically, yes. (laughs) Okay. I think that's fine. I think it's fine. So Esther Pearl says there's three components of infidelity. So the first one is a secretive relationship. The second one is an emotional connection. And then the third is that a sexual alchemy. So that doesn't necessarily mean sex. That could be the desire in the lead up to sex. 
I really liked what she said, that we live in an era where we are entitled to pursue our desires because this is a culture of I deserve to be happy. You probably, as a mother of millennials, do you agree with that? Yes, yes, yes. So you used to get divorced because you were unhappy, but now you get divorced because you could be happier. So choosing to stay when you could leave is the new shame, according to Esther Mm. Perel. So, you know, like you should leave him. This is the new shame in staying if you're not, you know, 100% happy. So Esther Perel says, you know, if we can divorce why do we still have affairs? Because it's really, Mm. you know, it's become easier than ever to leave relationships. Or why get married to start Mm. with and then you don't have to get divorced. Yes. If happy people cheat, you could risk losing everything. Mm. So why do people still cheat? So I really, really loved, you know, I, uh, from all of the research that I did, this was the thing that really stuck with me. So she says, affairs are an act of betrayal, but they're also about longing. At the heart of an affair, you'll often find a longing and yearning for an emotional connection, for novelty, for freedom, for autonomy, for sexual intensity, and a wish to capture lost parts of ourselves. Mm. So what she really said was that it's more about the person doing the cheating. It's not really about the person being cheated on. So I like this little quote. So she says, when we seek the gaze of another, it isn't always our partner that we're turning away from, but the person we ourselves have become. We aren't looking for another person, but looking for another self. So she said, one of the things that people say when they have affairs is that they feel alive. And she says that death and mortality live in the shadows of an affair. Is this it? Is there more? Am I going on for another 25 years like this? Will I ever feel that thing again? (sighs) I was like, wow, this is, I've never, ever thought of cheating like this. But some affairs are an antidote to death. It's about feeling alive, feeling important, feeling seen, feeling attractive. So it's more about desire and less about sex. Right. So I really thought that was an interesting perspective in the sense that, I mean, that really is saying that it's quite a selfish act because when you listen to the interview that we have today, I think that the way that cheating can affect the other person, I mean, it's it's had lasting effects on Jess. What do you think about her summary of why people cheat? I really liked Esther's conclusion after watching her TED Talk that post an affair, your first marriage is over. That's how she described it. But you could actually create a second one together. I thought that was really nice. Yes, because before I kind of watched this, I really judged people, I think, who chose to stay with a cheating partner. And as you know, Hillary Clinton always upset me. Why did she stay with Bill after the sex (sighs) scandal with Monica? But actually, it was an opportunity for them to strengthen their relationship. And they seem... Because you know them so well. I know them so well. But they seem pretty content in their 70s. But I was wondering, do seniors cheat? I'm not sure. That requires more research. But I will say that in a recent doco on Hillary, Bill said that the extramarital affair that he had was a way of managing his anxieties. Mm, Not sure about that. And I just thought, hadn't he heard of meditation, chamomile tea, Mm. squeezing a stress ball, take a cold shower, have a massage without a happy ending, of course. Anyway, I thought that was a really interesting perspective on why people cheat. It's probably not what you read in 
articles where they have statistics on who's more likely to cheat and da 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 da. So I will link that TED talk in episode notes. But this episode is all about dating after cheating and about like how you recover after an event like that. So we'll get into our interview with Jess and Linda's actually joining me for the interview. So this is an exciting first for you. Today's guest is Jess Ray King. She describes herself on Instagram as a body-loving coat hanger, but she's also a fellow content creator from Melbourne and she's single. You're still single, right? I am. (laughs) And I met Jess about a year ago when I interviewed her for a beauty podcast that I also host. And when the mics went off, of course, we started talking about dating. She had recently done another podcast interview with Love, etc. on her experiences with cheating. And I immediately listened to the episode and Fast forward a year later, Jess sent me a message saying she was listening to Single Minded and had shared it with her friends and I immediately said, please come on. I really feel like this is my follow-up to Love Etc. as I really wanted to know after listening to that interview, I wanted to know how the experiences affected your dating life a year on. So here we are. Here we are. Welcome, Jess. Do you want to (laughs) tell me and Linda a little bit about yourself? As you said, I'm a curve model. I live in Melbourne. I love my cat. He is currently the main man in my life. (laughs) Currently single, single, dating, having fun, seeing how we go, finding myself, all those things. I'm currently 30. So going through all the things you talk about on podcast. Yeah, basically, I just reached out to you because it really resonated with me. A lot of my friends are single at the moment. So we're all kind of like looking for people that we can relate to. So it's the perfect platform. Oh, I love that. For me, there's nothing wrong with being coupled up, but also yeah. on the same token, I'm like, yeah, but there's nothing wrong with being mm. single either. I had to relearn that though. Mm, yeah. How long have you been single? I've been single for about two years now. Right. So that was the breakup was two yeah. years ago. Okay. Yeah. Let's get on to your story mm-hmm. and what happened. Uh, basically, I was with my partner for six years. We were living together. We had our cat together. We had bought an apartment. It was currently being built and it was due to be completed in a couple months' time. Things were great, as I thought. We didn't really have any major concerns in the relationship. We were kind of that couple that everyone was like, oh, <laughs> we were just, we seemed fine on the surface, I guess. Basically, I found out one day that he had been cheating on me. I still don't really know to this day how long that went on for, but it was a huge shock to the system. I didn't see it coming. I think I'm quite observant in relationships because I have been cheated on before. I don't think that made me like bitter or wary in a way, but I think I I feel like I can see the signs, but he just he just hit it so well. So um yeah, that was a huge shock. And I guess I've kind of just spent like the last two years trying to grapple with being single and you know, I've been in relationships since I was like 15 years old. So it was really new for me. I'd never done online dating before. It was terrifying. I I went into therapy because I had these huge issues about being alone and I didn't know who I was by myself. And I thought that I wasn't worthy because I wasn't with a partner. So all those things that you kind of grapple with. And yeah, now here I am. I remember in the Love Etc podcast, you had actually spoken to him when you met him. Yeah. The guy that you, you'd spoken to him about your mm-hmm. past experiences with cheating. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. So on our first date, I basically told him what had happened to me previously was that my previous partner had a a secret girlfriend. (laughs) And I just kind of said, like, you know, for me, honesty is key. Like, if you don't want to be with me or if you're having feelings to someone else, like, just tell me. Like, at the end of the day, that's all I care about. And he was like, yes, yes, I've always been honest with you. I would never do that to anyone, blah, blah, blah. And I I went through the next six years feeling really secure and, um, you know, never doubting him. And it was a huge shock. So he broke the news to you? Is that how it sort of no, happened? No, no, no. Oh, Okay. <laughs> So I was on the computer one day, I was just like writing a blog post and I went to sign into my emails and because we're both with Gmail, it signed into his email mm. and I'm not, I'm not a snooper. I've never felt the need to snoop on him. So I opened up the email, didn't really think anything of it, went to sign out and saw that it said it was an email from Uber and it was like your Saturday morning trip with Uber. And I was like, what? That is so weird. And like, I had been away that weekend and I was like, he was he was at home. He was he wasn't doing anything. Mm. That's what he told me. So I clicked on it and it was leaving our apartment at about 12:30 in the morning and going to an address mm. further into the city and initially I didn't recognize it and I plugged it into Google Maps and then I was like holy shit I know where this is and I just I felt like I knew in that moment. When you first found that receipt did you then dig a bit further into his computer or you just just looked at that one no I just saw the receipt and I think in that moment I almost had what I thought was a panic attack Mm. I do have anxiety but I've never really had symptoms that severe and I was by myself at the time and I really had to just calm myself down to get myself back together and I got it calmed myself down enough to call him on the phone because he was due home in about half an hour and I was just like hello how are you I miss you when are you gonna be home pretending like everything was fine and yeah basically he walked in the door and I um I I'm pretty proud of myself because I didn't like come all out with it I wasn't like I was like oh so um I saw this email and did you want to explain (laughs) and oh he denied it he denied the whole thing he said oh "Oh, yeah a couple of us just went there for drinks and I believed him for about probably like two minutes and I was like oh well then you know why did you lie to me about it and he just made up some excuse and then there was just something in me in the pit of my stomach that was like no this isn't right so I said so if I were to contact those friends will they confirm that they were there Mm, clever and it just like his face dropped and he was like well no and then he kind of didn't really have to say anything else but I I questioned him and he denied it kept denying it and eventually after my persistence he came out with it and said that they had been sleeping together and you knew this girl because you knew the address yeah yeah she's part of our friendship group she was his best mate's sister. Okay. What was the feeling at that point? Was it like rage? Were you upset? Were you devastated, (laughs) heartbroken or like everything? I don't even know what was going through my head. Like I was just full of rage. I was just pretty much like, you know, this is it, don't you? And I, for some reason, the first thing I thought of doing was I went through the bathroom cabinet and I grabbed like his cologne and his toothbrush and I just started throwing everything down the stairs. 
Mm-hmm. Nice. I, like, I look back at that. I look back at that and I think, oh my God, that's so weird. But I don't know. I just didn't know really how to cope in that moment. And then he left and I um, called a friend over. And one of the next things I did was I contacted his sister and I told his sister. Mm. Yeah. And you guys were building a place together. Was there yeah. like the administ? was it like assumed that you were breaking up or did he still want to like try to make things work after what had um, happened? Initially there was a bit of back and forth and in the end it was just like, look, how is this going to work? You know, I feel like I'm never going to trust you again. You know, she's part of our friendship group. This is going to essentially break up the whole friendship. Mm. I, I just kind of thought like, I don't know, I'm, I'm better than this and I deserve better than this. And yeah, yeah, I walked away, which was really difficult. So has he since that, have you been in contact with him since all of this? You yes. must have because you had to split up yes. everything. And has and he apologised? Oh. Mum, oh. just one question at a time. <laughs> okay. I just want to know. I want to know if he's apologised or at least explained it to you because you want to know how this happened. Mm. he apologized tried to but it was very much like I'm sorry you feel this way I'm sorry I upset you so you know those really weak apologies so I don't Mm -hmm. think he really understood what he did and the effect it had on me and what about an explanation Mm. for why did he give you one not really um I think like I guess She's always been there and yeah. she paid him attention. And uh, That's what I thought. Maybe she pursued him a little bit. Yeah. When I hear this story, I'm like, you know, people break up, things don't work out, but it's more about the fact that like what he has done, how it then affects, I guess, affects you in the longer term. And that's probably not mm. what people are thinking when they do stuff yeah. like this. And so I really, no. I, I guess I wanted to ask, how has that affected your dating life in the last couple of years? It was a really difficult drawn out experience because we had the property together. We had to remain in contact for quite a while and I was eventually paid out for my portion in that property, but that took 18 months plus. Mm. And also they had a baby. Oh, wow. I thought you were going to say that. When you yeah, said I there can't was remember a... if I told you this, Hannah. Oh. You told me that he was dating her. Yeah. 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 They got pregnant about two months after everything came out. Mm. when all his stuff was still in the apartment and <laughs> oh yes yeah so that was just like a really big blow and yeah I don't know I felt it was kind of I guess empowering in a way I mean because I was kind of just like well it can't really get worse from here mm. <laughs> you bought an apartment though so so things I did, did. yes things have definitely like turned around for me and I think as everybody loves hearing just so much good stuff has happened since that ended and Mm. I'm in a really good place. I still definitely have some issues and self-esteem and stuff like that surrounding what happened, but, you know, I I feel really lucky and I'm kind of happy where I am in this moment so I can kind of see that everything happens for a reason as much as it just, like, totally sucks. Mm. So you're back on the dating scene now. How's it going? Have you got any horror stories? Yeah, I had a really difficult experience the first date I went on. 
Mm-hmm. So really soon after everything happened, I went on a couple of dates with a guy and it was just one of those horror stories you hear. I just figured out I wasn't ready. And like I told him, I didn't go simmer anything. So we, we spent probably three hours together over two dates and he ended up repeatedly contacting me for nine months after that. Mm. So he would like follow me and unfollow me on Instagram. He'd send me like 10 messages in a row saying that, you know, I had affected his mental health and like just really kind of like gaslighting behavior to the point where I was starting to feel unsafe. Some of the things he was saying. Yes. So yeah, that was a terrible introduction (laughs) into the online world. That is a really common experience with women online. Yeah, and we don't talk about that enough. We never talk about it. Mum, you know I've been through this, not as extreme as that. Run me by gaslighting again. I can't get with ghosting and gaslighting. What's the difference? So gaslighting is basically a form of psychological abuse and it's where a person makes you kind of question your sanity, your perception of reality, so that when you are being gaslit, you would feel confused, anxious, and you're probably unable to trust, you know, your own feelings. Yeah. That's gaslighting. Okay. Yeah. So basically what Jess is saying here, and mum, you would never understand, like this is, you've known that I've been through this where I've spoken to someone or met someone once and they start to think think that there's more there. Yeah. Yeah. And that's definitely happened to me as well, Jess, not that extreme, Mm. but it's Mm. really like I said to you, mum, I'm like, I I don't even know how to respond. Mm. It's a really scary experience. Yeah. I told you to lock all your windows. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, good advice, mum. Good advice <laughs> to scare me even more. <laughs> That's a pretty shitty way to be reintroduced to online. Had you online dated before, or this is kind of no? Your, your I'm, first I missed time. the whole boat. So that was the very yeah. first date that I went on. It was a bumble oh, date, Jess. and I was just like, "Oh my god, is is this what it's like?" And I was just like, "Fuck this." I'm just going to yeah. live with Draco and be single forever. <laughs> Which is actually not a bad thing. I think after you've been through something like that, you need to take time out yeah. to just do you. Yeah, that's the thing. And like that experience made me realize, look, it's fine to be on my own. And I did need to do a lot of healing. It was like really messy. I was like seeing a therapist. I had extreme anxiety. I lost heaps of weight after everything that happened. So it wasn't a pretty situation. Mm. Like it took a lot of working on myself to feel okay again. Mm. Do you worry, I guess, now because it's not like when you met him there were like heaps of red flags and it wasn't Mm. like he was some sort of fuck boy that Mm. you would expect this kind of behaviour from. Mm. Do you start to question like guys that you go on dates with, they might seem like nice guys and you're like, oh, could this happen again? Luckily, not so much because like deep down, I've always been a super trusting person. But then I, as you said, then I think about the fact that I am so trusting and I'm like, oh my gosh, am I missing something? Like, could this whole thing be a lie? So it is really tricky. I think it's always going to be in the back of my mind, but I'm just hoping that I can, you know, have enough confidence to like open myself up to feeling things again. (laughs) So aside from the bad dating story, have you had any good dates? Yes, I did have a, a fun experience in Bali, which I thought you might like. Like it was very I movie love- moment. <laughs> yeah, it was very mo- I did think of you because I know you love Thailand and travel and everything. <laughs> I love a travel romance story, yes. <laughs> Basically, I've been talking to this guy for quite a while. He actually slid into my DMs. He's probably going to listen to this, so 
hype. (laughs) (laughs) We, yeah, we were both in Bali at the same time. He's Australian and, you know, he'd kind of wanted to go on a date for ages, but the timing wasn't right. We live in different states. So one night, really, really last minute, we decided to go on a date and he had a flight that night back home to Australia. So it was the last time that we could hang out. So literally within half an hour, I was just like sitting at the villa with my girlfriend and I'm like, what do I do? What do I do? We're just having those moments. I was like, do I go? Do I not go? Do I go? And then off I went out into the night on a bloody bike in like a little (laughs) dress. (laughs) And I met this, you know, tall, handsome guy at this beautiful little bar in the middle of like just out of Seminyak with fairy lights and plants and flowers everywhere and I walked in and we just we we didn't have much time together we only had about an hour and a half before his flight but we just chatted for ages it was really good great connection and then it got to that moment where like he had to get in his, his uber to go and I'm just the most awkward person like I'm just like oh god like I get such anxiety at the end of dates oh, so same. Yeah, it's terrible, isn't it? I'd called my Uber and they both arrived at the same time. So there we are standing in the middle of like the busiest, like this really busy road in Semyak. You can imagine bikes everywhere, mm. cars, people yelling. And I um, we were just standing there and he was like, oh, um, can I kiss you? And I just, I was so awkward because I don't, I don't like it when they ask. Like I'd rather you just do it. <laughs> So I was Read like, the room. Oh. I was just like, oh, maybe. It's polite to ask. Yeah, it's polite to ask, but it's not that romantic. It is polite. Yeah. We love consent and everything, but it's not romantic. Oh, right. I see. I see. <laughs> so, you know, I said goodbye and I walked across the road and, you know, I yelled out to him. I can't remember what I said, but he said, he points across the road and he's like, you wait right there. And I was like, what? He was like, don't get in that Uber. And he walks into oncoming traffic bikes coming at him cars coming at him and he walks up to me marches up to me grabs my face and like gives me this like major pash in the middle of the road and that's how it ended that's a winner (laughs) but wait did you he's you're still chatting now we're still chatting but it's just like yeah it's he he lives interstate so ah yeah yeah yeah, i see look sometimes i think that those moments don't ruin them Keep them locked in your memory. Mm. It can just be like a really nice travel memory. I love that. Yeah, totally. You might have a few of those, Hannah. I have a few of those. I bet you do. (laughs) More than a few. (laughs) I actually remember. (laughs) So I had something similar happen to me in Thailand last time. This guy that I was, we we had like a six-hour kind of chat, which is chatting over two days. Yeah. At the end of the night, 1 a.m., he got on his knees (gasps) in the sand like a proposal and said, can I kiss you? Oh, my God. And I was like, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But then he had to leave the next morning at six in the morning and I was like, yay, I'm so glad that it ended like this and it didn't have to get awkward. It just was a a beautiful moment. Yeah, exactly. That's a nice way to look at it. Hmm. I want to know, so you listen to Single Minded, so you obviously know this is all about flipping the script on being single. So let's talk about what do you love about being single? Um, The freedom, Mm. the flexibility, the fact that I can do whatever I want, whenever I want, the fact that I am like paying for everything in my life. Like I bought an apartment, I'm spending money on myself. Like if I want something, I buy it. You know, I can go hang out with my girlfriends in the middle of the night if I want to, or I can go to someone's house and, you know, be spontaneous or catch up with a guy, have someone over, 
you know, it's great not having someone to answer to. And yeah, I just, I kind of like, I love the the me time that I've got out of it. And I'm working on myself in so many ways, you know, starting little projects here and there. And there's just so many things that I've done that I would never have been able to do in a relationship. And I think as well, especially with him. So I can see that out of this shit situation came so much freedom and growth for me. Mm. Because it's interesting to think like, where would your life be now? How different would it be if you Mm. guys were still together and you'd never Mm. found out? If you'd never seen that Uber receipt. Yeah, I know. And I can see like in hindsight, like I sacrificed a lot for him. And unfortunately, like that's Mm. kind of who I am in a relationship. I always put them first and don't really think so much about myself, my own goals. So, you know, I've definitely learned that I don't want to go into something else and do that again. Like I want to keep my freedom. I want to keep my friendships and time to work on me. Well, on that note, you know, freedom is my number one value. So I love to hear that. (laughs) (laughs) It was so funny when I was traveling around Australia, I was like having dinner on my own, like on this outdoor table. And I saw this family next to me and like cute, nice for them to be a family. But I was just like, they can't just pick up and do whatever they want, whenever they want. I know. That's what I think as well. Like I've heard you talk about recently, like that's definitely something I'm grappling with. I'm like, I always felt like I wanted kids and now I'm like Mm. in this space where I'm single and I'm focusing so much on myself and I'm like, can I learn to be less selfish and put my time into into something else and I'm like oh god I don't know just remember it never stops and when you're 60 yeah yeah they're still exhausting yeah just remember that totally that's because you've got no boundaries mum like you don't say guys I can't talk right now it's mum I did did last night I did last night I texted you I'm in the middle of a very important show cannot wait what were you watching Bridgerton it was on SBS at 9.30. It's a series and I have completely forgotten. But it's, yeah, apart from the ads, I, I couldn't just pause it. So I had to say, yeah. sorry, I am unavailable. You would pause it and talk to me. <laughs> What's happened to you, Linda? Maybe you've learned something from this podcast. No, no, no. It was live TV. I couldn't pause it. So I had oh, to sacrifice not only you but Ruby as well. <laughs> well, Jess, thank you so, so much for joining us. I know thank that's you. like a really probably a difficult topic to share about even though it's been a couple of years now but so I really appreciate you sharing it with the listeners. Thanks for having me on because it's nice to kind of look back and think like when I recorded that interview I pretty much cried through the whole thing so it's nice Mm. to be like smiling and laughing and I guess it just shows like the growth that can happen and for anyone listening I just want to say like you will get through it and you'll come out better on the other side. Mm. Oh that's a great way to end it. So, Linda, you I mean, you already know what happened. I know, my first Zoom interview, but you know I'm a boomer, not a Zoomer. It was, <laughs> you know, during lockdown I didn't do any Zooming, so that was all new for I, me. I don't know that anyone, because we obviously didn't include it in the interview, but Linda really struggled with Zoom. Like No experience. I don't know that you're made for it. No. I know. But having a think about cheating, you know what the ultimate betrayal is. What? It's when you cheat on your hairdresser. Have you ever done that? Yes. <gasps> yeah. You go to all everyone, different hairdressers. Has. I'm I think, a slut. Yeah, I'm a hair slut. I, I think everyone's done it at some point. But if your new hairdresser isn't all they're cracked up to be and you have to go back to your old hairdresser. Scandalous. 
when you go back, they know you've been with someone else. <laughs> and I've been faithful to my hairdresser <laughs> through three salon changes and five months of maternity leave. As you know, I believe in loyalty. Loyalty. Well, that's it for us for this week. Next week is actually, I'm going on a Valentine's Day date, which I can't wait to tell you about, Linda. So we'll be talking about that in is the next episode. Is that a walking so. date or a proper dinner <laughs> no. date? This is like a proper content date. Okay, so make sure so we'll hope- one word of advice, please eat nicely. <laughs> oh, thank you, Linda. I will. I'll try. <laughs> I try my hardest. <laughs> That's it from us this week. So we're going to have our latest dating story. If you have a weird or wonderful dating story or your worst dating story ever, email through a voice memo to singlemindedpod at gmail.com. We might not have them every week, but when we get a really good one, we're going to share them here. So here's this week's dating story. Okay. So around February last year, I went on a date with a guy that I found like intellectually attractive. He had his PhD in sociology or something. I wasn't like super attracted to him physically, but um, we went for drinks, had really good chat. Um, I'd drank more than I probably should have to make him more attractive than he was to me so we made out at the end of the day like it was nice but I like I didn't want to go home with him and at 2am with the bar closed we're like walking down King Street and he's like oh do you want to come back to my place I'm like no I'm gonna go home so I ordered an Uber pool and this is back in the day where in an Uber pool like you know if you're by yourself you sat in the front so more people could sit in the back so I jumped in the front of the Uber and the guy's like, oh, how's your night going? And I, I had, the driver had to go around the block to pick me up. So I felt bad to like, I wanted to make sure I got a good rating. So I was like being chatty. I was like, how's your night going? He's like, yeah, good. How's your night going? I'm like, oh, I was just on a date. And he's like, with that guy? And pointed to my date who was waving at me. And I was like, yeah, what's wrong with him? He's like, really? Like, he, I feel like you can do better kind of vibes. And then I was really drunk, but I looked over at my driver and saw that he was actually kind of attractive. And I was like, oh, yeah, okay, let's chat. So nobody else got in the Uber pool. Um, We drove the 10 minutes to my house and then parked outside my house and just started talking for about two hours. I was not attracted to him intellectually whatsoever. He was just really hot. And then I kept trying to come on to him, but obviously he was sober because he was driving and I was really drunk. So anyway, I, I made out with him. I made the move and then I really needed to pee. Um, so I went inside. Also, at one point, cops drove past us and they're like, are you okay? Because I was just sitting in like a parked car outside my house. He got made me add him on Facebook and his profile picture was him like lifting up his shirt to show his eight pack and you can't see his face. Um, and I woke up to like messages from him being like, I don't know, hope you got home safe, okay. So I was just like, oh, what have I done? And then later in the week, I get like on a Wednesday night at like 8 p.m., get a message from him saying, what's up, crazy Uber girl? (laughs) So I deleted him on Facebook and then he messaged me and tried to call me on like a Sunday night. And I was like, yeah, nah, we're going to go ahead and block your phone number now too. So that was the end of the Uber driver. If you made it this far, I'm hoping that you enjoyed the podcast. If you could subscribe and leave a five-star rating and review, that would be much appreciated. It really helps other people find the podcast. Not that I'm desperate or anything. See you next week.